Hey, good listener. Today's show is dedicated in loving memory and in great honor of my dear friend Eileen, who recently left us. She was one of the good ones. She was one of my favorite humans ever. I will miss you, my Elaine, as I always called you, and I thank you so much for the dime you left at the bottom of the pool. I got your message, and I know it was from you. And, and it's not just the young. We're getting, we're getting people 45, 50, 55, sharing kind of those same um, emotions with us. And senior people going, you know, I didn't think I could love again, you know, because I lost my spouse, I lost my uh, boyfriend, whatever it is. But I now know that I can open up, open up my heart and maybe have the opportunity to have somebody in my life as I move on. And it's, we are so happy. We are so happy and, and humbled by the fact that these two old guys here talking to you have been able to share that and give people that feeling. Hi, I'm Bobby. And I'm Scott. And you're entering a world gone good. Well, hello, my name is Steve, and this is the place where we celebrate everyday people making good happen each and every day. Welcome to World Gone Good. Today is Valentine's Day, and I want to know who's ready to fall in love with a good book. Let me recommend one to you, the one that took me over a year to write and almost another year to rewrite, edit, design, and publish, Drowntown is the first book in my series, The Dog Walking Detective Mysteries. It's got a 4.9 out of 5 rating. The ebook is just $4.99. The paperback is a few more bucks. Make this first time published author's heart go a flutter on this V Day by grabbing your copy of Drowntown on Amazon or Barnes and Noble. To all of you who have already gotten it and you've read the story, I say, as always, thank you. So yeah, it's Valentine's Day. And are you in or are you out? I guess it depends who you are. Well, whether you're living your own love story with someone or someones, I don't judge, or your love story is all about yourself. Again, who am I to judge, you selfish bastard? Today, we are going to celebrate a love story that's now been going on over 45 years. It's a love story that spans entire generations and continents. It's a love story that's about unending commitment and unexpected inspiration, one that's turned two guys named Scott and Bobby into the role models they themselves never thought they'd be, especially at this stage in their lives. This is also one of those times that yours truly sees something on the internet and sends an email asking, hey, you want to come over and share your story on our show? And a complete stranger or two says yes to the good. Here comes Scott and Bobby, globe-trotting adventurers turned uplifting internet phenomenons. They're two gay grandpas travel, and this is their good journey. 
I have with me today two world traveling gay grandpas who have <laughs> taken over the World Wide Web with their true story, their charm, their wit, their love of travel. And we are going to discuss all this stuff, but we're going to start a little bit back in time, gentlemen. Mm. I need to hear how you guys met. And I and, I'm, and I preface this because I'm really hoping there's two very different stories. Go. Well, okay. We'll let Scott tell his version, and then I'll correct him. Great. Okay. Picture this. San Francisco, 1979. Uh, I'm in a bar dancing. It's the bar's Alfie's, and um, I'm with a friend, and we're just it. It was just a friend. We're out dancing, and then suddenly I look out of the corner of my eye, and I see this short, brown-eyed Italian guy standing in front of a mirror, and he's looking at me, and I'm looking at him, and I'm thinking he's got the most beautiful brown eyes I've ever seen. And so I turned to my friend and I says, been nice dancing with you, but I got to go meet this guy. And that's how it started. We've been together ever since that night. So I've let Scott believe that story for about 10 years. Um, I'm rather more passive aggressive, actually. But um, what happened is I moved to San Francisco on June 28th of 1979. I was staying with my buddy. And you have to remember, I was just turning 22. It was the late 70s. I was there to have a good time. I was not really there to meet anybody. So I was out uh, clubbing, looking at bars about three days before we actually met. I saw Scott in another bar. Um, it's actually called the Midnight Sun, very, very popular bar at the time. And I saw him and I said, oh, that one's really cute. But being passive aggressive, I wasn't the one that was going to make the first move. So that uh, Friday, which actually was a Friday the 13th, yeah. we went to, I went to this club and I saw him there dancing with a guy and I didn't know who this guy was. So I said, hmm, how am I going to get his attention? Well, the club had angled corners and at each angled corner was a giant mirror wall. So I stood in front of that mirror wall, just made sure he could see me and just was nonchalantly. And then he did the one thing that I never expected. He winked, which I thought was so sexy. And then he started coming over to me, and I was like, oh, shit, now what? Um, and then he finally – he didn't even introduce himself. First words out of his mouth that I ever heard him say was, you have the most beautiful eyes you've ever seen. Brown eyes. Brown eyes. Well, and at that time, I was just like – I mean, what do you say? Yeah, they come as a pair. Um, <laughs> so we introduced <laughs> ourselves. Uh, we danced all night, and that was only two weeks after I moved to San Francisco to have a good time. And 45 years later, we're still going strong. Yeah. Okay, so we have our Valentine's Day show right here, gentlemen. My goodness. <laughs> now, the question I have for you both is, do you remember what song was playing when that all happened? Not at that moment, but that night they did play the most popular song, which became our Our song, song. and that was, you tell them. Souvenirs? Yes, Souvenirs by Voyage. Yeah. And they played it. That was the hit song at the time, and we danced to it, and that became our song. I love it. And disco was still alive. Yes. (laughs) Well, we like to call it dance Dance music. music. (laughs) 
how we danced our way through the 80s. We're not that old. <laughs> now, you two, it's interesting because you've you've sort of created, not sort of, you've created a life for yourselves. You are real grandpas. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why don't you tell that story about how that all came about? Well, we have two daughters and six grandkids. Um, well, let's say, you know, Scott was married prior to meeting me to an amazing, wonderful woman Incredible. named Laura, who is, we literally, uh, she's our sister wife. Unfortunately, she passed away this previous year, which was a big hole in our lives. Yeah. But they were married for several years, had two young daughters. Be, and uh, why don't you tell the rest of that? Well, then... Uh... You know, life changes. I was going to be a teacher. She was going to be a housewife. And then I got into psychology and sociology, and I was going to school. And she says, you know, I'd like to go to school. And so she went to school. She got into nursing. And our lives just kind of parted. We had our kids, but our lives kind of went different different roads. And so it, I was still straight at the time. I mean, I, after... Laura and I parted. I was dating women. I came out a little bit later. But when Bobby met me, the girls were five and six, and uh, they took to him really quickly. He, yeah, they, he, he never he never tried to be stepdad. Mm-hmm. Um, he always just was there as their friend, and slowly but surely, he became dad number two. Yeah, they the kids don't remember a time when I wasn't in their lives. Yeah. So, you know, we just, and the three of us co-parented these yeah. two amazing women and it just worked for us. In fact, um, Laura is such a great person. She even gave Scott away at our wedding. Yeah, she wasn't. Oh my t- God. No, she wasn't taking me back yeah. either because when <laughs> she got me, she walked me up the aisle, put me next to Bobby and said, no returns. Yeah. <laughs> And so over the years, our daughters have given us six grandchildren, age nine through 29. Wow. Now, San Francisco the whole time? No, we lived in San Francisco uh, from 1979 till 1994. Mm -hmm. And that year, our first grandchild was born and in Southern California. And then we also had lived through the AIDS crisis in San Francisco, which was very, very challenging. Very hard. We lost approximately 50 of our closest friends. Wow. And we decided that we needed a fresh start. It was kind of becoming a ghost town for us. The city of a ghost, yeah. yeah. So we moved to Los Angeles in 1994. And then um, some years later, we moved down to Orange County, and we lived within an hour of all six of our grandkids for many, many years. Yeah. That's amazing. It's it's such a changed world because, you know, I grew up in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, and I remember when I saw the first report on television about AIDS, you know, before, where they still didn't know what it was. And it was interesting because this is New York, so Sue Simmons was reporting on WNBC, and they put that little, you know, the little image in the corner, right? The little, the little graphic, right? While she's talking, and the graphic was, um, almost like a a men's room or a woman's room, you know, that little cutout character that they have. I don't know what to call it, image, but it was a, it was that image, and they had a little shower, okay, with little drops coming out of the shower. She was talking about bathhouses, 
But me at 12, 13, 14 years old, I thought she was talking about showers mm. in general. And I was like, you can get this from – what is happening? We can get things from just taking a shower. Um, but it was crazy and the, the lack of education and all those things that went down. What was it like living through that and now looking back out of it, especially having just come out of COVID – and the way we responded, because I see such a parallel. It, well, first of all, being in San Francisco, there was a more unifying feeling because people were more informed and more positive about helping one another than perhaps the rest of the country. What was challenging is there was a local newspaper called The Bar, B-A-R, Bay Area Reporter. And every week they would have obituaries in it. And every week you would dread to open it to see which of your friends or the guy that you knew at the gym but may not have known his last name or that bartender you knew had passed, it was very challenging. We could go to some parties and at certain times of the night, everybody's beeper would start going off because it was at the time when AZT was just being introduced and people had pill minders. It was the strangest thing. There were there were some interesting things happening in the city at that time in San Francisco and I and probably in New York City and LA too, but because we lived in San Francisco, more aware of that. Um, but there was a sense of nobody gives a shit. We're in this alone. Our community's in this alone, so we gotta band together, we gotta work together. And one of the most interesting things that came out of it was um there's always been a, a little bit of animosity for some reason or split between the gay men in our community and our lesbian sisters. But HIV AIDS kind of tore that down. Um, the, the lesbian community in San Francisco became some of the biggest supporters and biggest helpers for, for gay men who were being hit and uh, they just stepped up to the plate, and I'll always remember that. It, it kind of bonded us, and I, I'm hoping that that continues and that that's what I'm seeing in our, com- in our greater community because there really was a sense that nobody really cared. The, the president at the time wouldn't even mention the word. Nobody gave a shit that it was gay men dying. And when you, when you feel that and you feel that isolation, it it does something to you. Either you cave or you, you just stand up and say, no, I'm not going to let you do this to me. I'm not going to let this happen. And I think significantly in San Francisco and some of the bigger cities, that's what happened. And uh, I just think that that was critical. We, we raised money for our, our community um, we gave blood. Uh, the lesbians gave blood for the community, for the for gay Because men. we could not. Because we could not. It was just a tremendous outpouring of spirit and community. And I, I saw a little bit of that with COVID also when, you know, you had people saying, oh, it's fake news and all this. Um, uh, there's times like those that pull us together, both the LGBT community in the in larger community, and and I think it makes us stronger. Yeah. What is sobering to reflect on from us is that out of all the people we knew in San Francisco during the years, mm-hmm. we're the only couple that has survived. 
And that can take you one of two ways. Either you can dive into a hole and really be despondent or feel guilty. Or honestly, you can do what we did. And we embraced it and said, we're going to live our life and our travels (coughs) for our friends. For all those young men who never made it to the age of 40, we're going to see the world for them. And that's why our motto for our channel is travel your heart. And part of that is we take them with us wherever we go. We see it for them. And we've decided we were left here as survivors. We're going to live our life. They couldn't have that chance. So we're going to live it to the fullest and take them along with us. Yeah. And more than survive. It's it's thrive. More than, it was thrive. Yeah. Thrive. And you've just transitioned perfectly over to our next possible, the best possible way. So you two started traveling around and you decided to start filming it. But I know there was a reason you did this, which I just love. So tell everybody the reason how this all came to be. Well, several years ago, actually during the pandemic, uh, we run an architectural interiors firm and I do the business, I do the design work, Scott does all the business end of it. And during the pandemic, we found that we were working very successfully, totally remotely, Um, never had to go into our clients. And so we started to think to ourselves, well, that gives us some possibilities. And further, after living in Southern California, we started to realize that it was not a place that was really going to be conducive for us to age. The traffic was getting horrible. Um, We found that we weren't traveling too far from our home uh, just because it was becoming so ridiculous. So we looked around, we tried many different places, and we decided to move to Arizona. So a little more than actually two years ago this month, we moved here to Arizona. Um, I designed with Scott our home and we built it here in the mountains. And so, but we didn't want to lose the connection we have with our grandkids because we're very close with them. So we decided that anytime we traveled, we'd just film it, make some videos so they could, you know, kids are always on their screens or their phones. So we thought um, that maybe we would just film some of these things and let them see it. And, and YouTube and social media was the logical way to go because that's where they were. You know, they had their phones out, all that out. And we wanted to say, okay, if you're going to be there, we'll we'll put our travels mm-hmm. where you can see them. And that's really yeah. how it started. And we also wanted to encourage them to get out and see yeah. the world. And, you know, there's a bigger world out there. Um, And so it really was just meant to be this private little (laughs) channel that we shared with our family and with our friends. And were you making full-on videos or were you just showing clips? You know how on your phone, because on your phone you can use the Clips app and you you can put videos together, you put music together. I do it all the time myself. Or were you just sending them little, putting up just little pieces Oh no, not not with me. No, no, I direct everything. Yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Scott I, makes uh, production <laughs> out of anything. He doesn't just take a baby step. He jumps in. Full. We get along great. We get along great, my friend. <laughs> you know, I so what I had to do was just get. I watched a lot of YouTube videos. Um, I I knew a little bit of, about storytelling from my experiences as, as a screenwriter. Um, and so I wanted to take that into the videos 
you know, to have that beginning, that middle, that end, and um, and learn about editing and all that. And I wanted to make them interesting because the grandkids said, you know, you're not you're not going to keep attention if you if they're boring. <laughs> right, yeah, right. They're, they're brutally honest. <laughs> uh, they'll watch me. They'll they'll critique them. Tell us that we want to see more of you, and we don't want to just see where you're going. I mean, they they would really give us feedback. And Scott really plays down his uh, talents, but he really researched. He looked in, and he's constantly uh, striving to make our videos more interesting um, and better filmed. And uh, I, if you look back, we look back over a year on the original ones. They're, they're quite embarrassing to us. But, uh, you know, it was a, we just started from what we knew and we listened and watched a lot of other videos and saw what people did and tried to make them better. And that's a learning curve that all of us learn. Listen, you can go back to my first couple episodes of this show, uh, 160 something episodes ago, four years ago. I did not. You know, and I do this for a living, and I was like, oh, that audio mix sounds terrible. Oh, I did not let that person finish a sentence. I have to stop talking over people <laughs> and all the things that you learn as you go. But something else happened here because this is how we met. Somebody picked you up and sort of blasted you out. And I find this is what I love about the good of social media. Something really good happened. Scott yeah, Scott, tell this one. Uh, a young man from Canada, uh, an influencer, I think at the time he had about 18,000 uh, followers. Apparently, he had come across our videos and he liked them. And so he did, he put together this uh, little snippets of a lot of our videos. Kind of a, comp- a, a small a, compilation. Yeah, a compilation, yes. And he uh, put this thing saying, you know, these two grandpas are doing great work. They got some great videos to see. They're not getting enough views. We need to change their lives. And he and put it date. and he put and he put it out there. And this was around December 9th. And we we got told about it. And we saw it and you know, we said thank you very much. But bingo, we only had 181 subscribers on our YouTube channel on December 9th. And our goal was to get 500. <laughs> that was our big that goal. Was our goal. And after he posted this, we suddenly it was a thousand. Then it was, and the next day it was 2,500. The next, we just kept going and going and going and going. We're up to uh, a little over 88,000 subscribers, and we're still getting <laughs> from, them now. From all over the world. All which over is, the world. You know, who knew what the internet wanted was two old gay grandpas. <laughs> and the interesting thing on this, Steve, was his post was then picked up by another online post, much, much like yours, World Gone Good, called Upworthy, that yep. focuses on good stuff. That's right, found you. Yeah, and so... They got it, and we saw an increase there, and it's just been f- absolutely phenomenal, amazing, and, and very humbling. Humbling to see this growth when we had no, no idea this would happen. It's caught us off guard. Yeah, we totally. also, you know, we're obviously very niche. I mean, how many gay grandpas do you know in their travel videos? So, you know, we when we looked at videos. Um, 
looking at research on travel, it's mostly young, beautiful people jumping off rocks into pools of water or, you know, and they're all doing all these glamorous things. And we are definitely are not that. I say that all the time. I say that like this past summer, I'm like, okay, all right, everyone. Everyone I've ever met is in Italy. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I get you're all in Italy right now. Thank you for playing. But let me say this too. It's funny going back to your dance roots. This influencer basically made a 12 inch remix single of y'all. Yeah. And, <laughs> and right? Yeah. Our greatest hits. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And and here's a question I have to you. Do you feel a responsibility now that you have this platform to younger gay people? to show them that there is life after 22. Oh, Steve, yes. And and not just young uh, uh, queer people, young people in general who've who've written us saying I'm I'm not afraid of growing old any longer. I I know I don't have to be alone when I'm older. And so I don't know if it's a responsibility but it is a, a joy to be able to share with them bits of our lives to say, yeah, yeah, you know, there is life after mm-hmm. 35, for heaven's sakes. And when you reach 70, it's not all about waiting for God. You, there, there's things that you can do if you're physically able, you know, if you're physically able, go out and do them. And and, and it's not just the young we're getting, we're getting people 45, 50, 55, sharing kind of those same um, emotions with us. And senior people going, you know, I didn't think I could love again, you know, because I lost my spouse, I lost my uh, boyfriend, whatever it is. I, but I now know that I can open up, open up my heart and maybe have the opportunity to have somebody in my life as I move on. And it's, we are so happy. We are so happy and and humbled by the fact that these two old guys here talking to you have been able to share that and give people that feeling. And make a positive influence in their lives. We read every single comment we get from people who come onto our channel, and we try to respond to every single one of them. And to go beyond just the LGBTQ community, um, it is also from cisgender, younger people, middle-aged people mm-hmm. that said, I never had grandparents in my life. Can I? Can you be my grandparents? And we have started this thing where we refer to them as our adopted grandchildren. So now we have adopted grandchildren from Reunion Island to India to Finland to Buenos Aires. Um, And we do feel a responsibility, to be honest, Mm -hmm. so they understand exactly what we really are. We don't put on an act. You know, warts and all, this is who we are. Um, But it is, as Scott mentioned, it's very humbling to think that um, what we're doing in these channels actually influences people's lives. It was, if I may, Steve, we had this one comment mm. from a young girl, a, a young queer girl in Russia. Okay? That's quite a risk for them to put things out. And she talked about how the queer community, the LGBTQ community in Russia, are facing being called a terrorist organization and how horrible it is. And 
I wrote back to her that I have no awareness of, of what you're going through. It must be horrible, but please know you're not alone. There's people out in the world who support you, who care about you. And I sent it, but it was already blocked. She never saw it. And I, I, it saddened me because I, I wanted her to know that she's she's not alone. That the LGBTQ community is not alone in that country. Um, that's you, you never know what kind of an influence you have mm. when you get on social media. You don't. I don't think a lot of people know how the words you speak or what you post, how, what such an impact it has. Um, well, it does. Well, and it's also the nonverbal. The, the, some of the responses we've gotten, number one, the overall biggest response is wholesome, which we thought was interesting. But they talk about how they see the love we have for one another reflected in our videos. And we don't go out of our way to express anything. We're just being ourselves. So I guess we didn't understand the influence that would have two younger people, especially to know that, you know, you can have a long-term relationship and you can be active in your life. So in a sense, we feel a responsibility to those people to keep doing what we're doing in the manner that we're doing it um, and to just try to encourage them to lead their best lives, as Scott always says. You're expressing your truth. You're showing your truth. And they're responding to that. Yeah. And I think what's also key, and I've talked about it here on the show before, is this. Social media allows many people to create an image of themselves in any way they want, right? We can, we can fix a picture. We can make ourselves look younger, tanner, thinner, whatever, right? We can make ourselves look happy when maybe we aren't happy. We can be traveling. We can be eating. I mean, if I see one more freaking photo of somebody's dinner, <laughs> I don't care, but it makes them happy, right? It's an image that they're putting forward. And your image is your truth. And that is what you're sharing. And that's what people are responding to. So I think wholesome is a great compliment, but probably makes you two laugh because you two know each other, right? And you're like, <laughs> we're not wholesome. Well, you know, we, the way we figure. Well, it one is, of us is. <laughs> there aren't enough filters in the internet that's going to help us look younger. <laughs> yeah, so, I would like to back up to that point. How? What? What do we do to make ourselves look? Thinner? Yeah, exactly. What <laughs> can you pull it in? I mean, short of a blanket, there is. So you know, we decided that you know, warts and all. It, we're just going to be us. I mean, I, we have seen so many like beautiful young people. We're not that, but we're happy. But did it take you a long time to get to that place as a human being? To to accept that? Well, a- accept yourself you know, and just say, I'm me. Um, Not really, I guess. You know, once we moved away from San Francisco, I mean, trust me, San Francisco in the 80s, I mean, I would put my contacts in just to walk to the corner store to get a newspaper. I mean, there was a lot of pressure in the 80s. And his Titus Levi's. Yeah, exactly. Um, But, you know, we were very image conscious um, in the 80s in in San Francisco. Once we moved away from that, I think we kind of lost that. And then, you know, once you turn 40, it's kind of like, well, nature's going to take its course anyway. Um, And then the pandemic hit and it's like, well, let's just sit inside and eat. Um, One of the great things about growing old is that 
you just don't give a fuck. Yeah. Does that make sense? There's, what used to make, I'm going to get hit for grandpa saying fuck on, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, but there's a, That's point, fine. there's a point where you go, what, what was so, what was so uh, meaningful, what was so critical mm. when you're in your twenties and thirties, maybe even in your forties, it's not so important when you're 60, 70, 80. Well, we, Scott, we'll look back at pictures and Scott will say, oh, my God, I thought I was fat back then. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And don't don't you look back at, at photos and go like, I know exactly what I was thinking in that very moment. And I was thinking, oh, my God, I'm losing my hair. Oh, my God, I'm fat. Oh, my God, I look stupid. Oh, my God, I'm the least popular. Per-. Whatever. You, it's all those things you tell yourself. And you look and you go, God, I looked great. Yeah, I, I know. I should look half that good. But you know, after. <laughs> You get to a certain age, and I will say it is also easier once you are with someone committed in a long-term relationship to say, oh, good Lord, get over all that stuff. I'm going to try to look at what we get now is for your age. We're at that point in our lives where people will tell us, you look great for For your your age. age. (laughs) So... You know, I'll take it. Yeah, we will take it. So, you know, we don't, we're not slobs. I mean, we get out, we do a lot of hiking. Uh, we try to watch what we eat yeah. and we try to look our best, but we recognize we're not competing with these 20 year olds, nor do I want to. Right. And you let, you let the approval factor go at some point. Right. And I, I hit that too, because I lived in LA for 20 years. I always say this. The first 10 years I lived in LA, it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The next five to seven years was like, yeah, yeah. The next three years, I was like, get me out of here. And it was just because of my needing approval and my wanting approval and my wanting to keep up with everybody else. I, I mean, I've told this on here before. I had alopecia areitis when I was 28 years old. All the hair on my body fell out. Um, a lot of people thought I had cancer. I did not have cancer. Um, I, it's, it's a stress related disease. I was under a lot of stress at the time, put myself through unnecessary stress. And then of course the doctor's saying the only way to get through the stress related disease is to not be stressed out. And you're like, okay, well, all my hair is falling out of every section of my body. And I'm kind of stressed about that, but you want me not to be stressed. Got it. (laughs) But it was a, a radical change for a 28 year old to handle. It was a lot. Now I'm 54 and I own it, you know, and, and thankfully, thankfully, thankfully to a great dermatologist I went to, the hair came back, not all of it on my head. And I, you know, it's, it's that, that thing of like, I'm falling behind. And then we reach a point, you nailed it. it mine was right around 42 where I was just like, and done, period. I'm done with that approval process. I want to do something. And it gets back to what you all are doing is I wish, I wish, I wish. And it's something I talk about all the time. I wish I had traveled sooner. I didn't mm-hmm. travel, start traveling till I was 37. And I, I regret it. I would have rather gone in debt for traveling than gone in debt for the bullshit that I went in debt for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, you also get to a point where, I mean, I realize now that I'm not the young person that Scott fell in love with. It has to be something more than the looks. Yeah, um, you and, are. Well, I, I come on. I look like Tony Orlando in Dawn <laughs> when we met. I had this gigantic John Travolta head of hair. Now I'm as bald as an egg. Um, but you, you know, we still see each other 
through different eyes. I mean, I still see in Scott the young man that I fell in love with. Um, but you let go some of the superficial um, extremities and, and just just embrace the life that you have now. I wish I could have told that person back then, as I wish to tell young people now, every era in your life has good and bad. Just accentuate the positive. Enjoy what you have now. When you're younger, you may not have all the money or resources, but your back doesn't hurt. <laughs> you can, you have more energy. You don't have responsibilities. Like that's the thing. I I was doing this job in my 20s and we had a boss in her, I'd say mid 30s. She was a very, very successful producer. And she, she, <laughs> she came to work and she was complaining because her alarm at her house, they couldn't get it to turn off, right? So the company had come out and she kept, it kept waking everybody in the neighborhood up, blah, blah, blah. And with the straightest face, she literally said to me, and another production assistant. This is at Warner Brothers Studios. She looked at both of us and said, "Don't ever become, don't ever become successful. Don't ever become rich. It is such a hassle." And here I am making twelve dollars an hour. Yeah. I'm sixteen thousand dollars in debt. I'm paying every bill on a credit card. I make just enough money to cover the rent. And I was like, "Bitch, if my biggest problem was an alarm right now." But it's funny because I look back and. I certainly have happy times in my life now, but I remember the freedom of my 20s. I remember the 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 excitement of what was new. And that is so much about what travel is so exciting to me because I love to travel now. And I love I get so excited like we're getting on a plane, I'm going to this place, I'm going to have to figure out where I'm going to poop, you know, all those things that I get really excited about. Um where are some of the places you guys have been that have brought that excitement to you? Oh, gosh. Oh. Well, literally uh, just two weeks ago, we stepped on a cruise ship for our very first cruise. And we were like giddy little children because we had never cruised before. Um, so each time we go someplace new, um, where else? Um, where, where I loved Croatia. Oh, yeah. Um, Croatia was a remarkable country. It's um, it's so much more than Dubrovnik. Dubrovnik was beautiful, but Croatia is just, if you have a chance to go, rent a car and just explore that beautiful country. Oh, and when you first went to Paris, quick story, oh. <laughs> quick story. I was turning 50 and Scott said, where in the world do you want to go for your birthday? And I said, well, you know, I'd love to go to the south of France. So Scott started, Scott does all the research. <laughs> um, and so he said, okay, what we'll do is we'll fly into Paris and then we'll transfer to Marseille. I'm like, Wait, hold on. You're saying we have to go through Paris? And he said, yeah. I said, Ain't no way we're going to Paris and not seeing Paris. And Scott was at the time very, oh, well, you know, the reputation of the Parisians and uh, they're very blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so we get to Paris, take it from there. First of all, let me apologize to all of our followers and subscribers living in Paris. <laughs> I, I, I love Paris. Been back now four times. Yeah. Love the people, love the food. So just please <laughs> hold on to that thought. But yeah, I had bought into a lot of that. Oh, you know, the French, the Parisians are, you know, unfriendly and all this kind of stuff. Went to Paris and I remember we came in in a taxi. Right. 
We're trying. We got, we got off uh, the bus at, at the Garnier Opera House, yes. and then we had to take a taxi to where we were staying, and it drove us through the Place de la Concorde. Yeah, and I just went ape shit crazy is the term that I think I used. <laughs> I I immediately fell in love with Paris in that cab. Um, it. The city of lights is just that. It's the city of lights. It's so vibrant and, and it's just a remarkably beautiful city to be in. And sometimes um, the places that you go to that you're not expecting or you stumble upon, um, it's just drawing a blank, capital of Slovenia. Ljubljana. <laughs> Ljubljana. Anyway, we were planning our trip. We were uh, going from Ven- driving from Venice to Rovine in Croatia, and we needed. It was too long to go in one day, so we were going to stop along the way. And we just said, "Oh, why did we stop in Ljubljana? Never really knew much about it. We stopped there, and it is the most amazing yeah. place. We were just like kids. So, uh, and this past summer." We were driving around and we found this Western town. We were just driving along the road and Scott saw this sign and we just turned into that um, the Western town. What was the name of it? I forget. The, the ghost town? No, not the ghost town. The one before that where Butch Cassidy. Oh, yeah. That was. Uh, it's in a bar, video. The, <laughs> what was the video. I don't remember it. Anyway. Bar you Ranch. Are you Ranch. Yeah. It yeah. was a ranch. And it actually Butch Cassidy. No, Sundance, kiddo. Having a no, moment. it was Butch Cassidy. Was it Butch Cassidy? It was Butch Cassidy. You're having a senior moment. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Butch Cassidy had worked there. So our point, <laughs> that very long story, was that- I think Steve just clicked his off. <laughs> Where the hell are they going? We went all over the world on the map. I followed you. Keep yeah. going. <laughs> well, and I guess the point is sometimes the places you aren't familiar with can be the best discoveries. And also, it doesn't have to be overseas travel all the time. Um, we take delight in a lot of the local travels or traveling around the country that we've had. Yeah, local travel, going to a nearby uh, national park if you have one, uh, Sorraro National Park mm-hmm. here in, in Arizona near Tucson is one of our favorite parks. But if you don't have a lot of money, don't let that hamper you or hinder you from traveling. Go There's local stuff uh, that you can find on bike paths, uh, hiking trails mm-hmm. that are that can give you that sense of adventure. Just go out and do yeah. it. We try to um, coach friends who have never been like to Europe before on how to go there and how to do it inexpensively, how to travel light, as we always say. No one comes back from vacation saying, I wish I'd brought more luggage. Um, and <laughs> how to just how to not be afraid to do it and how to research, because we do a lot of research on our trips. Um, and so we just try to encourage people to get out there because to us, travel is it just adds such a dimension to your life. We've been back now two weeks, and we are eager, eager to, to go again. <laughs> we have goitis. It it sometimes surprises people when we tell them that we do six week road trips. Like we'll take a country in Europe and maybe Germany or whatever one, and we will do it five to six weeks, and we will do it with just one carry on bag each of clothing. And then, then a backpack with camera equipment or in a computer. But uh, and people go, how can you do that with just one bag? First of all, we don't bring a lot of heels. Yeah, sensible shoes, one pair. 
And and, they uh, ha- and believe it or not, in Europe they have laundry. laundry. <laughs> they don't have dryers. They don't have dryers. I found. <laughs> you know, we have the experience of sitting in Paris and doing our laundry and spending an afternoon in a laundromat in Paris. You know, it's a but and met be interesting people. Yeah, workaday people. And, you know, we take local trains, although we do a lot of driving ourselves now, we take a lot of trains, and I guess we're friendly people. We meet a lot of people along the way. Incredible And that's, that's half the half the excitement is not just the place. It's not just the food, although that's a big factor. Um, it's the people, the people we meet along the way. Where do people find your videos? Plug away, gentlemen. <laughs> oh, well, uh, our videos are on YouTube, the full videos. Uh, we are also on Instagram, uh, TikTok for shorter little snippets. Um, and uh, we have our, our Facebook page, but the full videos are on YouTube. And if we can make a blatant plug, we're at 88,000 plus subscribers. Our big goal, I mean, I know at one time our goal was to have 500 subscribers. Our big goal is to get to 100,000 subscribers. I want that little silver plaque that you put on the wall that I've seen other YouTubers. So that you got to set goals. That's, that's, that's our goal. <laughs> that is that's sad. shameless. That is I so know. sad. <laughs> that was Grandpa Bobby talking, yeah. okay, not Grandpa Scott. Grandpa Scott is much deeper. He's a much yeah, deeper person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I wanted that. I want that silver plaque nice. by Valentine's Day so I can <laughs> give it to my my husband. Oh yeah, that's nice. <laughs> As I always say, Scott does all the film, most of the filming, editing, sound mixing. I'm just the on-air talent. <laughs> well, let's not go that far. <laughs> we close these shows with two questions. I'm going to start with you, Scott. Bobby, you get to think about it. Here is the question. Who inspires you? Well, I'm sitting next to him, quite honestly. Um, Bobby's has such an impact on my life and how I look at things and how I feel about things. Um, I know that may sound a little corny and old-fashioned, but I think that that is truthful. He's um, opened my eyes and my heart to so much. Um, that I never can repay him. And the only way I can do it is by loving him and um, sharing his best life with my best life. And I have to honestly answer the same. Scott has is probably the best person I've ever known, the most ethical, trustworthy, honest person. He has reinvented himself so many times, and he cares so deeply uh, not to get into a whole other sidebar, but when we lived in Southern California, Scott didn't like what was going on in government, so he took it upon himself to run for public office. He ran for the state assembly in a heavily Republican district. He didn't win, but he got 150,000 votes, uh, more than any gay person in our area. Any Democrat. Any Democrat <laughs> in our area. Oops, I just said political party. Sorry. <laughs> but anyway... And he has he has been a screenwriter, he has been a human resource developer, and now he is an influencer. And his ability to work hard and to have a vision is just so inspiring. I mean, we're, you know, basically we're Tom and Jerry, we're Chip and Dale, we're <laughs> we're those two duos. We couldn't be one without the other. And the final question is not a question. <laughs> 
There's a statement to finish. I'm going to start with you, Bobby, Scotty. You get, Scott, you get a chance to think about this. Don't sing it. You know the song. I can't afford the lyrics to pay for it. It's just a statement to finish. Tell me something good. <laughs> something good. There are wonderful people out there. Don't be afraid to open yourself to them. They are the reward. We like to tell a lot of our new adopted grandchildren, we are so lucky that you found us, not that you know you found you that we found you because they add so much to our lives. Live your heart, travel your heart. Thank you, Scott and Bobby, for sharing your good and making this Valentine's Day a little more special. Next time on World Gone Good. I had tried so many different things, but, you know, you get this blood work and they tell you all these things you're allergic to. I mean, I was allergic to over 30 things. And how do you how do you live like that, you know, that with the limitation? So I was not a, a fun dinner date, I'll tell you that much. But... <laughs> But I, I just, there, I knew there had to be something. Like, why is this happening? Karen Chalman wants us not to just trust our guts, but to listen to them and heal them. She's an Ayurvedic self-care expert. And she's all about good wellness, starting from the inside out. Who's ready to start living a more balanced and vibrant life? I know I am, and I can't wait for you to meet her on our next all new episode. Until then, be good. <laughs>